Welcome to Valley Community Church. Our Sunday sermons are available online to help you grow in your Christian faith. Our messages are practical and applicable truths from the Bible for today's life challenges. And now, Senior Pastor David Schmaltz. Amen. Well, let's pray. Ask God to open our hearts, prepare us for his message today. Lord, we thank you. Lord, you're always speaking. And Lord, if we're not hearing, it's because, Lord, we, we're not quite on the right frequency. Lord, it's like that radio station, we're just like that half turn off. Lord, let us get, Lord, right on this morning, Lord, so that we can hear you clearly. You've got a word for us today. And I just pray that all of our hearts would, would be just open and prepared for what you want to speak. And Lord, how it is individually interpreted. Because, Lord, this word today, Lord, does. It's dropped into our hearts, and yet, Lord, it's applied in so many different ways for all of us, God, who are in different places in our path and our journey with you. So, Holy Spirit, we ask you to come and do that work in us. In Jesus' name, amen. We're entering into a different time as a church, and I'm not sure, you know, when this really all began, um, but certainly... We had been yearning to have Jim come in for a number of months, but really, I, I, I see it going all the way back to uh, the sabbatical in the summer where God was, was doing some things. I could feel uh, a change, but I sense that change in the wind. I'm not, I'm not sure if you can too, but I'm sure you do. And God is preparing us for something much deeper. And it's, it's, it's a good change, of course, but it will definitely take us into a deeper place uh, into his purposes. And God's calling us, uh, and, and that calling us takes a greater maturity in the Spirit. We as a church, as a whole, are going to be pulled up into a deeper relationship. I know that's kind of going in different directions, but pulled up into Him and then in deeper with a relationship with Him. And this will come as a result of a greater surrender to His will. So some of you have questions. I have questions too. And you're asking, why is God letting this happen now? And that is, God is about to reveal it to you, so get ready. I also see a picture, and I want you to catch this picture for a minute, because as I was praying, God gave this to me. But I see a picture of a river that is flowing. It's tranquil, but a very powerful river. It's moving, and it's taking over everything in its path, as water does. And on the river, are, there are people in small canoes, rafts, and floats, and each person is doing different things. Some are caught in eddies because they have uh, just let the river take them, and they're stuck. You know what an eddy is? Kind of that little place, that little pool that just kind of turns, and you're no longer in the stream, but you're just kind of caught up in this, this, this current, this different current. Others are being carried into undertows, and they're fearing for their lives. And others are steering their craft into the currents that are freely moving downstream, and they're successfully navigating the course. The first group represents those who are meandering through life but are now stuck without purpose or propulsion, and they cannot perceive the will of God because they're stuck. The second group are those who uh, have allowed themselves to drift into things in life that are treacherous, and those events, choices, are going to destroy them And through those events, those choices are going to destroy them if they do not change that course soon. The last group are those who use the paddle that God has given them, which represents their gifts, prayer, 
and broadly speaking, their obedience to the will of God. In the light of this prophetic word, this picture, I want to share this story of Jonah with you today. You know, we're all familiar with this story, so I'm going to go through it fairly quickly so that we can kind of get to, I want to get to the meat of it, to what we can extract today. But as we look at Jonah, you know, Jonah represents really, and I want, to, I want you to see this, and I'll kind of help you get those snapshots that I, I feel like that, that are important. Um, that Jonah represents the church for us today, the church as a whole. Of course, it's a story of one man, but often in Scripture there is um, that interpretation. And Jonah has been many, many times. Jesus himself used the, the story of Jonah in a prophetic way. And so it kind of gives us that open door to look at it with different glasses. So, you know, here is Jonah. He's minding his own business. He's a child of God, obviously. He's Hebrew. He's a believer in God. But then he is called into service. And that service is a great mission to Nineveh to proclaim God's judgment. So here you have now Nineveh would have been one of the largest cities in the civilized world at that period of time. And, uh, and obviously, there had been enough wickedness that has taken place within the city to cause God to just say, you know what, it's game over. I'm going to destroy it. And that takes a lot of wickedness, by the way, a lot. You know, obviously, you know, you think of Sodom and Gomorrah and what it took for them to be destroyed by fire. So Nineveh, obviously, there's a lot of bad stuff happening in this city. Of course, we know it's a pagan culture if, if you study it in Western civilization. So here is Jonah who was called to proclaim judgment. Now, can you imagine that? Any one of us being called by God to go to New York City or to go to any world-class city and you know, walk through the streets and, and basically say, look, you're, it's game over. God's coming. He's going to destroy you. And so, as a matter of fact, his message didn't even, re, re, it wasn't sandwich sign, re, repent for the end of the world has come. You know, it wasn't that. It was just basically, hey, look, God's getting ready to destroy you. And so, so Jonah knows clearly what God has called him to do. And, so, and like so many of us, and you can't blame Jonah really, but Jonah runs from God, doesn't he? Jonah hears that and says, uh, no. And he says, that, that's not what I want to do. And so he tries to run from God, which is really a silly idea, isn't it? You know, to try to run from God. He doesn't want to do it. And so he, he boards a, a ship to Tarshish, and you should recognize that name, that's uh, where Paul was from. And, uh, and so Psalm 139, it says, where can I flee from your presence? You know, David writes about that. And it makes you wonder if, if over time, Jonah's story had become something that was uh, wonderfully, you know, added on and, and, and passed on generationally. Um, so that he could sing that song and, uh, and quote those verses that, man, you know, it doesn't matter where you go, to the far side of the sea, you can go to the depths, you can't even go to outer space because you can't escape God. Uh, and yet Jonah, in a way, in a, in a silly way, thought he could run from God. But God got on that boat with him, didn't he? So he gets on this boat and J Jonah boards the ship and God sends a storm. And in that storm, it endangers the lives of everyone on the, sh the ship because of Jonah's disobedience. Now, initially, Jonah goes down to the second deck, and he, it says that he falls asleep. So you know how they, they would have hammocks that 
you know, they could just kind of swing. And if, if you could get over the fact that you potentially could die, then you might catch a few winks. But every up, everybody up on the, on the top deck are realizing we could die. And so they're freaking out, trying to do whatever they can to do to save the ship. And finally, they, they think it's kind of odd that everybody else on the ship is freaking out, right? But here's this one guy down there, man, catching a few winks. So the captain goes down and says, what's wrong with you? Don't you realize we could die? And then that's when Jonah begins to kind of say, well, no, you know, I, we die, we die. So they begin to cast lots, and they realize they find out who he is because he freely tells them the story. And then in, in so many, not in so many words, but it basically gets down to the end. He said, look, you know, I know what's going on here. God's mad at me. And he's wanting me to do what he's going to do. And so, and, and you get this sense of just kind of this capitulation that, that Jonah finally just says, you know, I'd rather die than do what he tells me to do. Now catch that. That's, that's really important. But Jonah says, basically, hey, look, I, you know, yeah, we're all going to die. And the only way you're going to stop that is if you get me off the boat. So in other words, kill me. So here's a guy who's got a death wish, right? I mean, both ends. It's either stay in the boat and he knows they're all going to die or throw me over. He's almost, you're going to see that kind of suicidal mentality in Jonah. I mean, that's where his, his stubbornness has gotten him to this point of just saying, look, I'd rather die than do what God tells me to do. You catch that? I mean, that's some serious stubbornness. But note it. <laughs> Check it. Because that's not a stubbornness that we're all not, you know, I mean, we're not that unfamiliar with. So they basically say, well, no, I mean, we're not going to kill you. I mean, that, that would make it even worse. I mean, we're not going to be complicit to murder. I mean, they're thinking, that doesn't make sense. If God is that mad at you, what's going to make him less mad with us if we kill you? Right? So they're going, no, that's not a good idea. And then finally, they're throwing things over, and they're trying to lighten the ship, and that's what they would have to do, and they're throwing over important pieces of equipment. And finally, um, they uh, decide to go ahead and throw him over because they realize, you know, and Jonah's just kind of, he just says, look, come on, guys. If you throw me over, then the ship is going to be fine. So he convinces them enough to finally, they're just like, we don't want to do this, but oh, well, off he goes. You know, after a while, you know, the fear had just gotten to a certain level where they just realized, you know, (laughs) I could just see the captain pulling the the first mate aside, right? He says, look, he wants to die. I mean, he wants us to do this. How are we complicit to anything? Captain's sitting there going, throw him over. You know, you could just see him. Toss him. So over the side, Jonah goes. And Jonah must have been just thinking he's all holy. He's almost like that little kid who says, now see what you've done. Now see what you've done, God. These guys have had to kill me because you've pushed me way too far. So he goes in the water. and You can just see him, you know, he's just letting the water take him. Okay, I'm ready to come to you, Lord. And all of a sudden, here comes that whale. Because you know what? You try to bail out on God, and does it get worse? It can get a whole lot worse. I've never been swallowed by a whale, but I have a funny feeling it ain't a good experience. And so he gets swallowed up in this whale. And, you know, I've looked at that. You've probably read a little bit about what what possibly, what kind of a whale could have done that. And uh, there would have been a few whales that could have done that. And so he gets, he gets gobbled up, and I've heard it said before that, now he was three days in that belly, 
And so that means, I mean, he's well on his way to getting digested. You know? I mean, it could have been within a few hours if he had gotten out of that situation. It might not have been that bad of a deal. But, you know, he's already starting to probably, his skin is starting to turn kind of white. I mean, he's not looking real good. He's probably losing some of his hair. And he's thinking it could not have gotten worse, but it just did. You know, he's thinking, surely I'm going to die, but he's not dying. He's in the belly of the whale in this place where he's just, he finally breaks. He finally breaks. And, uh, and, because, and so we call that, you know, a miraculous deliverance for Jonah to get, you know, gobbled up inside this whale. But in the, in, in the, in the, at the same time, God is using this as a way to really bro- break Jonah down, isn't he? Because then we get this, this, uh, this verse that you can find in chapter uh, 2, I think it is. And I'm just going to read the whole prayer of Jonah because this is so good. This is so good. He says, in my distress, I called to the Lord. Well, let me back up, read the whole thing. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God. So he finally got to that breaking point, didn't he? He wanted to to die, but God wouldn't let him die. He gets swallowed up in his fish, and so he's in this really terrible situation where it must have just been awful. And so he prays, in my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help. Now, this is interesting because this is, this is in a, a past tense. So it's probably something Jonah wrote after his whole experience, which means, oh, well, I'll get to that here in a second. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help. So he knew. He was, he was a goner. And he says, and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas. And the current swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight. Yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. So that gives you a little picture of what it was like inside that belly. To the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. But you, Lord, my God, brought my life up from the pit. When my life was ebbing away, I mean, it wasn't, you know, he was slowly dying. He was being digested. I remembered you, O Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols, turn away from God's love for them. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. I will say salvation comes from the Lord, and the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. So he's inside, and he finally comes to the bottom, doesn't he? He finally comes to the end of himself. He, he finally gets to that place that says, I, and, and says, I give up. And it's such a familiar story, isn't it? Because it's our story too. And whether it be that, you know, God had been knocking on the door of your life, maybe you heard about Christ as a young child, but then you ran and you did your own thing. Maybe deep inside you, you had this call from God to do something, but you're like, no, 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 no. Maybe it could have been just simply being salt and light, just being a light for Jesus, and yet you ran from it. 
And you've quickly found out, just like Jonah, you can't run from him. And God could have let you go, but God in his great love pursued you. And God in his great love let things get worse. And, you know, we can look at, the, you know, we can look at difficult things in our lives, you know, a couple of different perspectives. You can just say, and I heard that the other day. I forgot who I was talking to, and I guess it was just some young people. Yeah, I was having a conversation about some young people in our community with another young person who, who's kind of in the know. And what he was just saying, look, he, he talks to in them, and he hears a lot that, um, you know, God has done nothing good for me. I mean, you can just see it in the heart of, of so many people to say, God doesn't love me. God's never done anything good for me. And so they're running. They acknowledge that he exists, but they're running away from him, and they're blaming God for their troubles, you know? And we'll find that, that Jonah still has that deep inside, even though he gets to that final place where he just says, you know, I can't take this anymore. Please, God, deliver me. I'm ready to do what you want me to do. I'm ready to yield to you. So God spits him out. God hears Jonah's prayer. Whale spits him out on, on the beach. And he obeys God and visits the Ninevites and tells them that God is going to judge them. I just think it's funny, and, and this whole concept is not new to me. I forgot who I, I heard it from. You've probably heard it before, Dan. But now, here's Jonah, who has been inside a whale's belly for three days. He's probably, his skin is probably bleached. He's got, his skin is probably partially, I mean, his clothes are probably partially digested. He's got seaweed wrapped around his head, and he shows up to Nineveh, repent, or God is getting ready to judge you. Now, if I were them and looked at this guy, I'd believe him. Because he looks like he just came out of the grave, right? Uh, uh, I mean, like a zombie. I think, you know, if there had a guy that had been well-dressed and smelled good and walked up perfumed and all that, that would have been a little harder to believe. But <laughs> this guy looked like he'd just come right up out of, the, out of the grave, which he did in a way, didn't he? So he goes, he obeys God. And he visits those Ninevites. He tells them what God is going to do and that God is going to judge them. Now, what surprised Jonah and really disappointed him is the fact that the Ninevites repented. And that's a wonderful part of that story because, and, and I love the fact that it's in the Bible because it's, in, it's an interruption that we really need to catch. And what God does inside Jonah as a result of this. So he you know, he's disappointed. And what happens is, we, you know, the story that the, the king of Nineveh um, and the people, they repent. They, they sackcloth and ashes, which is a very uncomfortable thing to do. But that was kind of their, their repentance. And, uh, and God heard it. Because God is a merciful God, isn't he? And the people turned. And God saw that and said, okay, I'm not going to judge him. I'm not going to do what I said I was going to do. And so Jonah's looking at that. He's incredibly disappointed. And he's, he actually gets a little angry about it. And he's like, God, I knew you were going to do this. I know you were a God of, of, of mercy. I knew you were going to do this all along. Why did you have to have me involved in this? Which is interesting, isn't it? We'll take that apart. So, again, they repent and they turn. The story goes on that that Jonah is a little upset, and he sits up on the mountain. Of course, he's waiting to see it because, hey, you're getting ready to watch a cataclysmic event take place. I'd like to be in a front row seat too. 
And so he's sitting there waiting for that, waiting for that. It doesn't happen. He gets frustrated about it. God, you, you remember the story? He brings that vine up the, because it's hot and he thinks he's going to die. He hadn't brought anything with him because he just said, look, I'll do what you're going to tell me to do. I, almost, I was in a near-death experience, so what the hey? I'm just going to go and do what God tells me to do. God provides this vine to shade him. And then what we find is that Jonah's heart is not completely changed. Because then a worm comes and destroys that vine, it dies, and then Jonah, man, he's just got that, that anger comes up, that frustration, and what it is is ultimately the accusation against God. And that is that, that humanness, that, that very core of everything inside us that comes up and it just constantly says, you know, we point our finger at him and just say, God, you don't know what you're doing. You don't know, you know, you don't, not only do you not know what you're doing, but in my life, in particular, especially you don't know what you're doing. And so, I mean, and when we think of that, it's just ridiculous, isn't it? Because God created Jonah. I mean, God, created, God, God knew every fiber of Jonah's being. He knew when he, if we read Psalm 139, he knew when he sits and when he rises. He knows everything about Jonah's life. He knew him full well before any day ever came to be, is what David said in Psalm 139. You know, he knows all this about Jonah, and yet inside him, we look at that from, a, you know, from our perspective, and we just think, Jonah, you're ridiculous. Why didn't you just do what he told you to do from the beginning? But man, when we read a story like this, does it not come back to bite? Does it not, as those words come right out of our mouth, do we realize we're Jonah? Jonah. That's why that story's in the book. And it's such a timeless story, which is why it fits so beautifully. It's one of those books, it's one of those books and those stories in the Bible that you, you know, that God had put in there that it, again, it doesn't necessarily fit in the flow of the redemptive story. It's not in the scarlet thread, although it fits in, of course, but it's not in the, in the line of the peoples of God necessarily, but it's just that little, that little place in there where it just dropped in, that little story, that, and, and that's when we really should take notice of it to see that, man, this story has such a rippling effect for us. And how much more does it really apply to us today? And I do, I want to look at it from a couple of different perspectives. I do want to look at, at it you know, from the perspective of the church as a whole. And God is speaking to the church here in the United States, speaking to the church all over the earth. But our jurisdiction, our place where we kind of, where we have to live, and and it's amazing, amazing, if you've traveled around the world just a little bit, you can see that the church takes on such a different dimension in different places. Like if you're in North Korea and a Christian, well, your idea of Christianity is totally different than an American Christian or Chinese or Sudanese or even the Irish, where a person in Ireland who really is a a believing, I mean, don't let Catholicism confuse you in that land. Because even though there's that religion that's very deeply embedded into the soil, there's very few believers in Jesus Christ. A lot of religion, a lot of tradition. So really, we really need to kind of focus on our dimension our perspective. And here in the United States, man, are we ever Jonah? 
man, we are Jonah. God's trying to get our attention. We belong to him. We believe in him. But he's trying to say, look, I've got things for you to do. And I want you to be about my business. And God always wants to call us into that greater level. Now, I mean, I understand this. So God is looking at the churches throughout our land and he's saying, how many of these churches are willing to do exactly what I've told them to do? And we can just kind of let that stand. And, and of course, all we can really be accountable for is, is our own church. And so that word really speaks to me. David, are you willing to do what I've called you to do as a local body? And, and me and the elders, I mean, the elders and I, rather, we, we've got to pray over that. Where are we in this, God? But for our purposes today, and for where you're seating right now, you also need to think in terms of, okay, God, what are you speaking to me? And especially in the light of that, that little vision I gave you earlier. And that here we are, there's so many of us, you know, going down the stream. And this stream is the purposes and the plan of God, okay? It's unstoppable. I mean, you know, water is the most powerful force on the planet. When a flood comes, goodbye. <laughs> I mean, we've seen it. We've seen the power of a flood. And that's the kingdom of God. Nothing will get in its way. And everything will be swept out of its path when that water did. And that's the, that's the purposes of God. They're coming. And so here we are. We've been placed on this river. Each one of us, every one of us, our families, our children, the experience that we have, this one life we've been given, we're placed on this river. What are we going to do? You know, are we going to be those who are easily swept into those eddies because we're doing nothing to navigate. We're not navigating the river at all. We're just being drawn along. I we love that group that um, has been sucked into the undertow. I remember years ago, we, Andrew will remember this, we took a bunch of youth whitewater rafting, and we got them together, and the, and the guide was right there, and he told us, he said, look, when you get to the river, there's places in the river you need to steer away from. You can die there because of the undertow that will take you up underneath the water and keep you there, and there you will drown. And so there was one kid <laughs> in my youth group who was my little Jonah, who when, when we got onto the river, guess what he did? And they had, matter of fact, there was this big rock, and the water was going underneath the rock, and the guy, had a, he had a, the guy went ahead of us, got up on top of a high bluff, and was yelling down to us, do not Go near the rock. I mean, he didn't want anybody to die, so he went up there, and he was like a prophet. Do not go near the rock. So we're all just way on the other side, right? I mean, we're just like, I mean, to the point, remember that, Andrea? We're just kind of scraping bottom because we want to stay away from the rock. I mean, if he thought it was that important enough to get out of the boat, do not go to the rock. I mean, we're going to stay away from the rock. Well, this one kid went right for it. <laughs> And the, only, and the only thing I could figure is that either that he was insane or just so completely disobedient or he was trying to prove something. Hey, I can face death and survive. Kind of think it was that. Wrapped up in a little stupidity in there, you know, just kind of to cap it all off. And so there he went. He got trapped. And sure enough, the guide had to get down. And you could see him take the, you know, the bullhorn and kind of throw it down walk over there and they throw a rope out to him and they pull him out of the thing and I'm just over there going, going to kill him, going to kill him. If the water don't kill him, you know. 
Somewhere, I'm, I'm going to do a little deliverance on him somewhere down that river. <laughs> hey, where'd Leo go? No clue. <laughs> Somehow I figured that not too many people would have missed him anyway, right? Mom and dad would have been, oh man, thanks. <laughs> That's terrible, isn't it? Anyway, <laughs> and that was just really the, the beginning of all the problems with that young man that I had with him over the next four or five years. God help me. But anyway, so there he was, you know, in that part of the river. And there's some of us who do that. And we can laugh at Leo, but there's a lot of Leos in this world, in their spiritual walk. Honey, don't marry that guy. It's an undertow. Man, you're going to get trapped up in that, and it's going to kill your spiritual walk with God. (laughs) Paddling right for it. Look, you need, don't move. I really feel like God is saying you need to stick here for a little while. You need to stay put for a little while. And it's just like, and they're going, yes, but inside their heart, they're going, no. And next thing you know, they're gone. That's right, he gone. And, it, and, 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 you know, we look at that and we can laugh, but I tell you what, it's so true. There's that Jonah that rises up in every one of us. God's trying to speak. God's trying to do something. And then, of course, that last group of people that are ones who you kind of get a feeling that have either been caught in an eddy before or maybe have gotten caught in that undertow before, and they're just navigating. And they're going right down. They're standing in the middle of that river, and they're following the current, keeping the, the, the you know, whatever it is that you're in, the, you know, that you're floating in, keeping your nose forward. If you've ever been whitewater rafting before, it's, it's quite an experience. I've actually went on the, one of the, the biggest ones here in, on the East Coast. And uh, it was quite the experience with a bunch of other guys. And, uh, and you know, the whole time you think, yeah, I'm probably going to die. But, and so you get good and prayed up, and you go on, and, every, and, and it's good. You survive if you do what the, the guide tells you to do. And, uh, and that's exactly it. And that's what he would tell us when you're right in the middle of that. He says, keep in the middle of the river. I mean, you're, everybody's just working. You have to work together as a team. And he's, just, and he's just yelling at you, telling you, come on, work together, get there. He said, you see that? Head for that. But if we all just said, hey, man, anybody else want to just hang out here for a little while? Man, I'm tired. You know, then you're going to head right into those places. They're going to be dangerous. So, I mean, you've got that picture in your mind. Folks, it's us. That's our journey. And so, I mean, on an intellectual side, we can all look at that. We can laugh at it. But it's, it's so true and real. How do we get free from this thing? How do we surrender to the river and, and, and pick up the paddle that God has given us and cooperate and navigate? Because, man, when you work with the river, man, life is good. I mean, life is good. Yeah, there's some times when you have to paddle a little harder, but other times, man, you just kind of, going with it. It's like, man, this is good. This is awesome. And you know what you can do when that happens? You enjoy the ride. I mean, how many people got through that whitewater rafting thing? Hey, did you enjoy the sights? What sights? I almost died. <laughs> yeah, there was mountains. Did you not see? I mean, there was one place where there was this bridge. It was like, they called it the Mile High Bridge. And you went up under that bridge and you see this, this highway way, way up there. I mean, it's just amazing. Totally cool. Sheer cliffs. And uh, 
But man, there's so much of life that people don't get a chance to enjoy because they're working so hard to get himself out of the eddies and the, and the undertows. So Jonah's got a word for us today. And let's, let's finish this up. And then we're going to come back and, and we're going we're gonna to get out of these places. We're going to get in the river. When God has a mission for you, he's always doing at least two things. Number one, he's advancing his kingdom through us. Okay? So if you're looking for a purpose, in other words, why? Right? Because we always ask, I want you to do it. Why? You, you tell your kids, hey, pick up, your kid, you know, pick up your stuff. Pick up that. Do this. Do that. Why? We're the same way. God says, look, I want you to go and I want you to reach Roanoke Rapids or I want you to give some more money to raise up a mission or I want you to do this, I want you to do that. Why? And God says, because I said so. Because I'm a river. Because I'm changing the world. Because I'm coming again. Because, because, because. It's all in your book. Just read that. Because I told you to. He's advancing his kingdom through us. And then secondly, he's changing us into his likeness in the process. Wow, that's that's the harder part, isn't it? But when you see those two things, it answers the why quite uh, quite sufficiently. So in other words, he's advancing his kingdom because God's purposes are going to prevail and he wants us to be a part of it. But secondly, in the process, God is changing us. Because if you look at Jonah, God's called Jonah. Jonah was going to have to do something very compassionate, something very right on the edge. He was going to have to change. He was going to have to leave whatever he was doing, and I'm sure he was doing something. But I mean, he was going to have to completely change his life. God interrupted him and said, "Look, you, I need you to go to Nineveh. Don't have time. I mean, I got all these different things going on. Lord, you know about all these things, and they're all very important. Wouldn't you agree?" And God says, "Yes, they're they're good, um, but there's something better." something bigger, something I need you to do right now. And Jonah, again, you know, he fought that. And in the same way, God is getting after us, in in us, that stubbornness in us, that unbrokenness in us. See, when Jesus worked with those disciples, you see it all taking place. In those three years, God took those men from being frustrated, religious probably, you know, a lot of mess in their lives, a lot of disappointments, a lot of struggles to making them world changers. And every day was a lesson. Every day was God peeling them back a little deeper. And what was he exposing? That selfishness. That and giving them more of a perspective of really what's going, what's going on in our lives. And, and see, that Jesus kept on coming back to that with them to say, guys, guys. This is not the end. You get, you get this one life, and it's, it's really a, a, it's, it's a blink compared to eternity. And that's important. I mean, to get that perspective is really a rare thing today, I think. Because you see people cl- clamoring for this little wink, this little flash of light. They clamor for that, and they don't. And Jesus was saying, look, man, you're made to be eternal. I'm just telling you, you life is like that compared to of all you are as an eternal being, and you really need to keep that in mind. And so he's advancing his kingdom, and he's changing us in his likeness by obeying him, by taking the steps, sometimes to do even the things that we deep down inside go, mm, he's going to change his mind. Not that, not that God changes his mind. 
his mercy is going to prevail. This is his plan all along. And it's almost that, well, why reach South Wellam? I mean, if God loves him enough, can't he do that himself? I mean, couldn't God just, in a pillar of fire, come right down in the middle of that? And, or could not God use some other event that does not involve me at all? That's asking the wrong question. You see? And so I wonder sometimes, how come, I mean, how come there are as many difficult things and laborious issues and battles for Christians? Why do we have so many of them? I wonder. Is it because, I mean, are we having the whale experiences because we're running from God? I mean, is that really kind of what it comes down to? I think so. I mean, I've, you know, sometimes it's important to simplify, to boil it down, to get to what is it God is really doing? And see, that's, that's the pur- purpose of the prophetic, by the way. The purpose of the prophetic is, to, is just to finally get that boom right in front of us to say, that's it. That's what I've been trying to tell you. That I'm trying to make sense in a spiritual flash. Just boom, whoa. That's what it's for. So God's trying to, God's trying to change us in his life. So what did God expose intimately in Jonah's heart? He revealed to him his faith in God was mere words and not based on obedience. Because it talks about Jonah being a Hebrew, and obviously he was aware of who God was. And so my assumption is that he was a believer. He was a believer in Yahweh. He was a follower. Wherever he stood in his his genealogy, wherever Jonah was among his peoples, he identified with that. But the day came when he had to make that more than just Sunday morning smiles. The day came when he, he was going to have to go more than just holding the Bible. He was actually going to have to believe what was in it. The day came when, when Jonah was going to have to step up because not, God knocked on his door. And so what was revealed is that, mm, it wasn't really there. Number two when his purpose came forward, because see, that's what we're talking about here. It wasn't random. Jonah was made to do that. Jonah was made to be the voice of God, to come and to speak and have a little bit of theatrics involved and get there, scare these people into submission so that they could then see the mercy of God. And who knows what took place from there How many other believers were raised up? What did God do? We don't know historically, but he was made for such a time as that. His purpose came forward, but he wasn't ready, nor was he willing to do what? To serve. So if we take that home, folks, serving, serving, serving. I'm I'm not going to belabor that point, but I'm telling you right now, and if you're sitting around to say, look, hey, honey, has God told us to go to Nineveh? I mean, has has God told you anything like that? No? Okay, well, good. Pastor David just, you know, didn't catch it on this one today for us. No, uh, no, here, open your heart to what God is speaking. If you're not using your gifts at all, you're not in the middle of the river. And if you're not in the middle of the river, then you're somewhere else. And my sneaky suspicion is that you're in that little eddy, just rolling around, bumping to the side. Hey, what's all those people doing going down there? 
Oh, well, I'm moving. Just not going anywhere. Just not going anywhere. And how you break out of that is just what Jonah did, is finally yield to God and say, God, I'll do what you want me to do. And that might come in the form of changing diaper. That might come in the form of leading a small group. That might come in the form of going down to South Weldon, loving on those children, on the folks down there. We went down there last week, drove through. A lot of wonderful guys hanging out that afternoon. Jamie and I are in the car, and they take a special interest in us because I think they, wanted to, they thought we were there to do some shopping. Right? So they start heading to the car, and they see me, and they're like, oh. Because they know, I mean, these guys know me. Been down there, we've been down there for many, many years. And they're just like, oh, man. So we go, and then we're looking at the property, and I stop, and I said, Jamie, Jamie, stop. I'm going to talk to a guy. So we roll down the way. I said, hey, guys, how you doing, man? And they're just like, yeah? I said, look, we're coming, the 22nd. I said, get ready, man. We're going to come. We're going to do this. I love on you. We're going to feed you. We're going to have a great time. Don't forget it. And they're like, right, man. Okay. But you know, I look at that, and I just say, you know, those are words, are precious words. Jesus is speaking through me, just for that short time. And sometimes just, you know, to do that is Jonah's word. And if God did something else, I mean, if God did anything else, I could just say, well, God... Come on, I knew these guys would never listen to you. I knew this, this neighborhood could never be pulled out of some of the things that it struggles with. I knew that. That would be the wrong way to think, isn't it? Especially in the light of what Jonah did. Because God can do anything in the human heart. And we should never be the one who judges that. But really, it comes down to service. It comes down to service. So let me just kind of put it plain. What are you doing to serve? Are you caught in the eddy? Are you heading toward the rocks? Are you in the middle of that stream using your gifts, using the purpose of your life, connected with God and just going, getting in the middle of that river, serving him? And in this light, I mean, you notice God has never mentioned anything about, you know, how spiritual Jonah is or or how much he's read of the Old Testament or or anything like that. It's just like, look, when when it comes down to it, are you willing to do what I tell you to do? To be honest with you, folks, that's the most spiritual thing you could ever do. Doesn't matter if you're a member or not. I mean, how many people are going to get to heaven and God says, okay, what have you done? Well, look, I'm a member. Just check. Just check. I'm on the list of that church down there, first church of the do-nothing. I mean, I was, I, I'm on there. And God says, well, I see your name. It's all there, but it's just not in this book. This is kind of the book that, that matters here. Okay, I, I see that ledger. This one's called the Book of Life. Didn't happen to make that one. And I'm not saying that serving gets you that. Absolutely not. But if you're here today and you believe that Jesus is your Savior, that's just the beginning. Because if heaven is your next stop, then love you. We'll see you when, when we all get there. But if you're here, then you're called to serve. You're called to use and called to do something to God. And you say, well, I don't know what God is telling me to do. Then listen. All you have to do is listen. Because he's speaking, I promise you. Jonah was a runner. He didn't understand who God really was when he thought such a thing. In other words, you know, gosh, can we really run from God? Do you find yourself in that place today where you, you're really kind of trying to avoid God? 
Man, God's got your number. You can't run from him. You can never do that. The best thing you can do today is just give up and yield and just say, okay, Lord, what do you want me to do? Why make it so hard on yourself? Why get swallowed up by a whale? Why get swallowed up by a life-threatening situation? You know, we don't want to do that. But Jonah learned that. And he learned the mercy of God in the, in the middle of it. And you may right even be in the middle of the whale's belly today. But he's merciful enough to spit you up. But isn't it interesting that his circumstance changed when what happened? His heart changed. Then his circumstance changed. And that's really what he's after. We know Jonah lacked courage because in the end he ultimately didn't even value his own life. And there was something that God wanted to do in Jonah and to build that, even to the very end. You know, matter of fact, the book of Jonah ends kind of weirdly, oddly. You ever notice that? It just ends with the the vine dying, and God just kind of rebukes Jonah, end of the story. And you're like, "Uh, what happened to Jonah? I mean, you know, you can kind of fill in the the blanks. Did did God kill Jonah? Did God leave him out there in the desert, leave him to die? And finally, look, I gave you two chances. You're out of here, bud. No, that goes back to the the prayer. I think Jonah himself is one who wrote this story about himself because no doubt Jonah became a very famous man because when his skin turned back to normal color everybody would have said there he is that's the man who came and helped the whole city of Nineveh still be here on the planet one minute he's sitting on the hill arguing with God almost coming to a place of death but I mean now I'm, I'm filling in the blanks here I'm this is just conjecture okay I'm not telling you what happened, but I, I, I'm, this is my play on it. I'm thinking that Jonah became quite a well-known man because he gets a book in the Bible. How would anybody else know if he died on the hill? No, the Hebrews, they celebrated Jonah. They celebrated him because his story's in the book. And he writes, this, he writes his prayer in a, prophetic, in, in, in a prophetic as well as a poetic way. I'm sure that's not exactly how it came out when he was praying. It was more like, God, please get me out of here. I'm sorry. I blew it. I should have done what you told me to do. If you just give me another chance, somehow get me out of this predicament. I can't feel my arms anymore. That's how probably the prayer really went down. What God did inside him was something real, something true. Something lasting. And I, I want you to catch that part of it because I think, you know, sometimes we think, well, what does it really matter? But you know what? Sometimes it's the little things that go on to be the biggest things. It's those little, in, in, in a celebration of a life. Then when people look at you and, and they're saying your, their final words and you've gone on to heaven and what are they going to say about you? He was fa- faithful. She was faithful. You know? did what God wanted. And that's exactly what I want them to say at my funeral. He did exactly what God wanted him to do. Period. Jonah was a bigot. Mm. He did not have a heart for people beyond his own race. And that's a hard one to hear. But he didn't. Ultimately, that was really at the heart of what was going on inside Jonah. I, I want you to catch that. Okay. He didn't want to go to the Ninevites because he didn't want to go to the Ninevites. They weren't like him. And 
and, and remember, Jews during that time were not evangelistic in any sense of the word. Matter of fact, the opposite of, what, of that is true. They were called to, you know, to seclude themselves. They were called to not mix with other peoples. So for God to come and do something that was opposite to what he had been telling them for thousands of years would have been just really, whoa, this is out of character with you, God. Which is why probably Jonah struggled with it. But what I want to point out here is that I think, and I've done research on this, and every scholar I've read believes the same thing, that Jonah was a bigot. He had a racial problem. He didn't want to go because they were Ninevites. And if God said, well, look, why don't you go to tell, you know, whatever, or go to Bethel and tell them to rebuke. Oh, good, man, that was on my way. You know, I got cousins there. But he had to go to the Ninevites, who were especially wicked, especially known for their cruelty, their paganism. I mean, you don't touch the unclean thing. That's what they were taught to do. So God had to get at that, didn't he? As God has to do that with us. Because ultimately, God says, look, I love every single human being on the earth. Red, yellow, black, and white. They are precious in his sight. You can sing the song, but do you believe it? You can sing the song, but will you get in your car and do it? And there's a difference. And there is a difference. And we got to, we get, church, we got to get over this thing. We got to get over this racial thing. We got to get over this. We've, we've got to learn to do what God has called us to do. We've got to do it. We've got to lower our shoulder. We've got to get past our, our, our religiosity. We've got to get rid of our bigotry. We've, and, and it's in us a whole lot more than we realize. A whole lot more than we realize. But I'll tell you what. Do you want to destroy it? Do you want to kill it? Then serve someone that you don't really love. Am I right? Of course, Jesus. Now, look, I'm not, I'm not talking about you going over there and saying, look, God, I just want to let you know I'm in charge. Um, I love you, but I'm here to rule you. Nuh-uh. No, no, you show up all bleached, seaweed wrapped around your head. Nobody really having anything to th- think about you, and you just show up and just say, look, I'm here to tell you what God says, and I'm, I'm here to serve, simply. Now, catch this. You, you don't really show, and Jesus said, look, wash the feet. Remember that? Jesus, I mean, Jesus, they were all wanting to go, okay, Jesus, let's go hop on our horses and let's ride, and, and, and can you get, load us up with some real cool armor and, and flashy clothes, and, and is, come on, let's do this. And Jesus said, no, wash feet. Whew. There's the gospel. There's the truth. If there's someone you're struggling with, serve them. Because, man, slice right through that hard heart and it'll bleed in the right way and you'll see your own prejudices start to just fall away like a plant that's being choked and not fed any longer deal with those things serve serve do what god tells you to do and serve the ones that god places in your life kill that bigotry kill it dead when we run from, and you know, see, Jonah, it wasn't, God, it still had a little bit in there in the end, didn't he? Because that's what God rebuked him for. He says, look, you, were, you fought me over this stupid little plant that I brought up for only 24 hours, and yet you would be willing to let over 100,000 people die. He said, you got issues, Jonah. 
I mean, that's the way we would have interpreted that. Jonah, you got issues. And he did have issues. In the end, God let him sit there, and he was just like, man, God got me on this. He got me. Yeah, he was right. I love that little plant more than the people there. That's no good. God, forgive me. When we run from God, we choose paths that are, that are most convenient. But in the end, it can bring pain and suffering to others around us. We learn that about, you know, when we go through, and this is maybe, you know, I'm kind of backtracking here, but, but get that point in the story. So here we're running from God. You know what? You never run from God alone. You're taking people with you. And Jonah learned that. Jonah must have realized, man, I got in the ship, and I brought this stuff into their lives. Once again, dealing with bigotry. Once again, dealing with selfishness at a greater level to the point where here are these guys. What Jonah must have looked into their eyes when the, cab, the captain is going, man. And they, remember, they drew lots, and it came to them, and, and they're all looking at him going, what did you do, man? Come on, dude. What did you do that would just, you know, that God, the God of heaven, your God, is chasing you down like this? Take the whole ship down with them. And sometimes we got to see that, that our disobedience, our willingness to run from God can hurt a lot of people around us. God heard Jonah's prayer, but it took suffering and a near-death experience for Jonah to have that heart change. God forgave him, and he delivered him quickly. I love that about God. So if you're sitting here today, and you're wondering you know, where you are, i got a funny feeling that the, if, you're, if you're open to the Holy Spirit, that he's already showing you. He's already showing you. And it could be that you're still, I mean, you may say, man, I'm in the middle of the river, Pastor David, and I've been living there for a while, and it's been hard. But my guess is that we've got some eddies coming up. Why, why would God speak that to us if we didn't have some challenges coming? And that's what I started off saying today. He said, I really, I think God, God is saying, you guys comfortable? You guys feeling good about yourselves? Are you feeling like you've been doing it? Yes, Lord, man, we're good, we're good. And he's going, good, let's go round two. Oh, you mean we've got to go deeper? Yeah, got to go deeper. We've got to cut a little deeper. So I want to make you like me. And so my guess is that we've got some challenges ahead of us. But they're good challenges because they will cr- create great rewards, big things. So God did take Jonah even deeper into his work by showing him that he was a merciful God. Jonah was not able to see mercy even when he himself experienced it. And here we're sitting in a room. Man, we love our gospel. We love our Jesus place. We love, we love our Jesus. We love his forgiveness. We love his mercy. And some churches, they just camp right there. You know, the sweet by and by. And we talk about Jesus, and we worship Jesus, and that's good, and we do the same thing. But you'll notice a lot of our music, as Andrea leads us, she's, you know, it's all about, there's a path in this, that we come, and, and maybe we've got a little bit of flesh that we brought within us today, and we've got to get that forgiveness, and we can get washed in the blood instantly by his mercy. But then we come to him, and we worship him at his throne, and we just thank him. We're so grateful. But then God just says, now go and tell others about this. It's never meant to give to us alone. Because there are people that are dying around us. There are people who have been sold a bill of goods. They're being deceived by the enemy. And in our hearts, we're thinking, oh, man, they're not going to listen. They're not going to this. Don't think that. It's amazing who God can pluck. Could anybody have imagined 
in world history that Nineveh as a city would actually turn? It's it's inconceivable. I mean, a a pagan city, for the king to do that, a king to get in sackcloth and ashes, can God still do that today? He can. But what God needs is his people that are willing to proclaim it. Willing to serve. Willing to be about his business in order to change the world. Folks, see, that's church. That's church. Church is not what we're doing in here. <laughs> Man, we're just getting equipped. We're just getting encouraged. We're, getting, we're, we're, you know, we're letting the Holy Spirit do something inside us. That's why we sit here. This is why we do what we do. We connect with one another. We stay in the body. So important. But folks, what we do when we leave these doors is what is most critical. So when you leave today, are you heading into the middle of the river? Or are you going back to your eddy? Or are you making a beeline right for that undertow? Mm, you don't want to do that. Folks, let's stand up and let's pray. Over the years, you know, I've had the privilege of living long enough and doing enough ministry as a youth pastor, you know, for many years that I did that, eight years. And, uh, and sometimes, you know how Paul Harvey would say, and here's the rest of the story. Well, I have, that, I have that privilege of seeing the rest of the story. And you could never tell it, but it, it's, I could kind of see when some of those youth left my meetings, and I could tell they had that attitude that they wanted to head right to the, to the eddies and right for the undertoes. You know, their life kind of followed. The struggles, the battles. We don't have to go through that. We do not. We do not have to get caught up. We can get right back into the middle of that river today. So let's bow our heads. Let's close our eyes. And let's finish this morning. Lord, we know that you you did this in Jonah's life for our example. It's an amazing thing, Lord, to think that a story that happened thousands of years ago Lord, can still have such powerful impact. It can still speak to us in a, Lord, a pertinent, Lord, clear way. So Holy Spirit, we want to listen. We want to yield and lean into you. Lord, I know that you had a special place for John in your heart, not because he was any more sanctified than any of his brothers. I'm sure he was, he was called one of the sons of thunder, and there was a reason for that. But Lord, what made him so special was he liked to hang out with you. So Lord, may we draw near to you today. Lord, we may we just put our head on your shoulder to draw near to you. Lord, to feel the, your heartbeat. Lord, you're the brother that some of us have never had. So committed, so loving, so good. But you grab us by the shoulders and you look straight into our eyes and you just say, look, I need you to follow me. 
because that's the path that has the best for you to stay on my six. Follow. So Lord, we listen today and we want to yield. And we don't want to finish, God, without having a chance to make a decision. So if you're in this room today and no one's looking around, no one's here to judge, oh, I hear that so much. It just bothers me. Man, please don't feel like anybody's judging you. We're all in the same boat. We're all in the same river. The truth is, when we go by, if we happen to find ourselves in the middle of the river on that particular day, we reach over and we're trying to get you out. We're not laughing. We're not mocking. We want you to be there with us. So if you're in this room today, and man, you want to get back in the middle of the stream, man, you you feel like you're caught in an eddy, the Holy Spirit's going to reveal this to you. But just right where you are, and just say, man, I'm ready to get back in the middle. Just raise your hand up. Again, no one's looking around. Okay? (laughs) See, somebody's got two hands up. That's right. That's right. The winner are those who say, yeah, I want in. Lord, sometimes, God, I skirt the edges, and I'm speaking for myself right now. Lord, sometimes it's easier to get into the eddy. It looks like a lot of fun to be doing nothing. Just go around in circles. So, Lord, forgive us. Lord, change our hearts. God, cause us to push forward, God, to to use what you've put in our hand, that mighty paddle of your spirit. God, to pull through prayer, to pull through service, God, to, Lord, to deal with those, those issues in our life that God causes us to try to withdraw from you. And I pray for those. You might be in this room today and you've been running for God. God sees you. He loves you. And he's going to pursue you. If you feel like you can run from God or hide from God, oh, man, you can't do that. But I, I do have to caution you. There's a fish coming. There's a fish of circumstances coming and it's going to gobble you up. You know what? It's a whole lot better to repent now. It's a whole lot better to say, Lord, take me now. Teach me. Cause me to yield. Cause me to grow. Cause me to push forward out of these areas of stubbornness and bigotry and laziness and judgment. So, Lord, forgive us of these things today. Wash us clean. Man, if you can identify with that in any way, just just look to him. Lord, would you forgive us today? Forgive us of these things, Lord, that have held us back. And, Lord, may we move forward. God, we don't know how, but, Lord, to be caught up in the presence. Lord, to, to move forward even more as a church in these days, God. Lord, to continue to add to us those people that are called to be a part of us, God. To continue to grow internally, externally. Lord, to, be, to give it a good, a good account of this word you've given us today. You gave it to us for a reason. May we be good stewards of it now. In Jesus' name, amen.